0: my library and i found seven different books Uh, there's some dvds amongst here as well Um, and each each of these is by a different author i think there's seven here yeah each of these by a different author Um, i've read these books i've uh, watched the dvds Um, and so we're going to get back to that in a moment but before we do i just wanted to say that if you're here for the first time um, I just need to fill you in on what we're up to. Well, we've been reading this letter that the Apostle Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples, wrote. And we've been learning some amazing things from it. And I think the thing that's grabbed us the most is the fact that God wants to know us. He wants us to grow in the knowledge of Him. And He's done everything that it takes to make sure that we can enter into this intimate and informed relationship with Him. Um, intimate in the sense that he's, when you become a Christian, when you put your faith and your trust in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ, God actually sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of you, and so you can enjoy an intimate relationship with God, and informed in the sense that God is constantly making it possible for us to know him because he's revealing himself to us. And the way that he does it is through the Holy Spirit and through his word. That's what Peter's been telling us. So once we get to know him, once we enter into this intimate and informed relationship with him and start to grow in that knowledge, then he is able to multiply grace and peace to us and to give us all the resources that we need to get through life in such a way that we please him and in such a way that we cross the finish line and end up going to heaven. question is, how do we actually get to know God and you know peter's been making it very clear to us that the way we get to know god the primary way is through his word jesus was his word in the flesh um, but the bible now contains a record of everything that he said and that he did and various other things that god revealed through his prophets and it's all recorded in the bible so it's the bible where we find where we start to get to know god and of course God makes it real then as we put it into practice because we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us. The other way that he helps us to get to know him is he's given some people the gift of teaching the Bible. And so this is where we get back to these books because each of these books represents a different Bible teacher. They've got tremendous influence. I would probably say that their audience has run to hundreds of thousands of people. And they all started out as orthodox teachers of the Bible. In other words, they weren't false teachers of the Bible. They weren't distorting the truth of the Bible. And in fact, some of these people um, we studied in our life groups. But as time has gone on, and I don't know whether it's just that they've revealed their true colors um, or whether they've started to change, but they've actually become false teachers of the Bible. And so, it's pretty scary because the, the material of these people is in podcasts and sermons and books, um, and it's all readily available on the internet. And I think what I find perhaps even more sobering is the fact that sometimes we spend more time listening to sermons and podcasts and reading books than we do reading the Bible we spend more time hearing about the Bible and teaching from the Bible than we do actually reading our own Bibles and the danger is because it's happened to me is that we've actually been listening to people who ended up going astray and this is not particularly surprising because we read all about it now in 1 Peter so I'm just going to read from, uh, sorry, from 2 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 to 10 he says but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the master who brought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction and many will follow their sensuality And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. So the first point of today's message, what we're learning from 2 Peter 2, 1 to 10, is that false teachers have already arrived and there are more coming. Um, Peter starts... In verse 1, and he says, But false prophets. There's a, a contrast. He says, There were true prophets, and he talked about them at the end of chapter 1, but there are also false prophets. And just in the same way as in the past, false prophets and true prophets coexisted, so in the future, false teachers and two true teachers. Are going to coexist and work together as well not work together but be working at the same time and so between Christ's resurrection and his return in the last days this is what is going to happen and just as a little bit of an aside um, maybe you're visiting today and you you've heard Christians talking about the end times or the last times what what was that Well, the apostles had this understanding that between Jesus' resurrection and his return was a time called the last days, the end times. So on the day of Pentecost, which was right at the beginning when the church was launched out into the world, God poured out his Holy Spirit on people. And Peter told the people that this was a fulfillment of a prophecy that had been given hundreds of years ago by Joel. And what did Joel say? He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on mankind. So Peter's understanding, and we see it elsewhere in the New Testament, of the last days was it's the period of time between when Jesus was raised from the dead and he returns again. So in this time, there are going to be false teachers but if you look um, at verse, verses 1 to 3, you'll see it's all in the future tense. There will be false teachers who will secretly, who will follow, etc., etc. And the reason why Peter's doing that, many of the commentators think, is because he's actually quoting what Jesus said. Did Jesus teach that there were going to be people who brought falsehood into the church? Well, look at Matthew 24, 11 to 13. He says there, this is Jesus speaking many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray and because lawlessness will be increased the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved and then later on in the same chapter verses 23 and 24 he says then if anyone says to you look here is the christ or there he is don't believe it For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So we've seen that Peter predicts that it's going to happen and he is quoting Jesus. That was his understanding of what Jesus said. What about Paul? Let's just see what he said as well. 2 Timothy 4 1 to 4 he says I charge you he's talking to Timothy now as a pastor he says I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ pretty solemn charge who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom what must he do preach the word be ready in season and out of season what is he to do when he's preaching the word teaching the bible reprove rebuke exhort with complete patience and teaching why, why should why, why should he do this? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Isn't that scary? People who suit our own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Same word, incidentally, that Peter uses. What about? Acts 20, 28 to 31. This is where Peter is saying goodbye to the leaders of the church from Ephesus. He's about to head to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he's going to get arrested, sent off to Rome where he was eventually executed. So he's not going to see them again. He's giving them his last instructions. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. We take care of things that are valuable, don't we? Imagine how valuable the church is. It was purchased with God's, Jesus' blood. And why? I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. From among yourselves, from amongst the church, Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. So, it's pretty clear, isn't it? There, are, there have been false teachers, and there are going to continue to be false teachers uh, right up until the return of Christ. I think that their impact can be even more destructive now because of the media and internet and the widespread reach of their teaching. What are they like? This is the second thing that Peter teaches us here. He says, first of all, that they are devious. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies. You know, at first glance, when you read these books, when you look at these DVDs, Everything just seems fine. It seems okay. They're very, very gifted speakers. They're very entertaining. They, they teach well. Not only so, but they use the Bible. But I think the scary thing is that phrase, they use the Bible. We need to be so careful to make sure that when somebody is preaching, they are not using the Bible to back up and to support their own doctrine, their own beliefs we need to make sure that the way that they're using the bible is that they're not taking verses and texts out of the context of the whole bible are they seeing everything in its overall context are they preaching by and large through the bible the way the bible has been given to us the bible has been given to us in books are we preaching and teaching through books because that guards us against emphasizing things That maybe we're interested in but don't have the same emphasis in scripture are we preaching the whole they call it the whole council of scripture why is their teaching so seductive and i've been thinking about this and i think that that little phrase that paul uses we have itching ears isn't it interesting we like to be entertained don't we we also like people to say things that validate sometimes our baser instincts. You know, maybe we've, maybe we we're entertaining greed in our lives. We're, we're just I don't know giving it a place in our lives. How often do we talk about greed just as an aside? Have we ever done a? a Bible study on greed. What, what about um, sexual sin? You know, when we're entertaining those things and we want to validate the way we're feeling or the things that we want to do, we are inclined to gather around us people who will reinforce and make it possible for us to indulge those passions. False teachers in Herari have used this very real issue of poverty to seduce and mislead poor people. And you might think, well, I'm not going to be taken in by that. Think again, folks. Greed is a real issue for us as human beings. We very seldom talk about it because we don't actually want our greed to be exposed. I can think of times when I have wanted to use our family resources in a greedy way, for me personally, and I don't really want to talk about it with Gail because that will expose it. So we have this inclination to be, to be greedy and so that gospel of prosperity that we can enjoy heaven on earth that there aren't gonna be any trials and problems and tribulations, it's very tempting. It's very seductive. I mean, every culture, every society has got chinks in the armor. You know, when I think maybe even um, a little bit further from home, but just think of South Africa. Dr. Milan, who was the architect of apartheid, was a theologian. And he provided a theological basis for the separation of the races. And why did it appeal? Why were were so many white people comfortable with it? They didn't fight against it as they should have. It's because it suited their way of life. They were greedy. We've got to be so careful that we are aware of our itchy ears. So, devious, serious and that serious error, folks, is manifested both in their conduct and in their teaching. You know, when I think of conduct, all I can think of just straight off is Hubert Angel on those Gold Mafia videos, Al Jazeera, Exposé. I mean, talk about his conduct bringing into um, disrepute the character of Christ, bringing into disrepute the church. So there's practice. But there's also their teaching as well. In verse 16 it says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we were made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's interesting about that, that comes from chapter 1 verse 16. Um, Is That was what the false teaching was like in the day when Peter was dealing with it. There were people who were saying that Jesus is not coming back it's a myth it's a story and you know in our day and age sometimes we don't like this concept that Jesus is going to return as a judge isn't that what the bible says our our culture and our society doesn't like this idea that God could be a God of justice that he could be a God who judges sins we want him to be a loving God of course but we don't necessarily want him to be a just God. And so, this idea that God is going to come back and punish sin is quite, it's, it's, it's not terribly woke. It doesn't really fit in with the way we, we like to think of things. So, teaching is in serious error, it's also destructive. They're going to bring destructive heresies. Just think of the destruction that apartheid brought all based on a false teaching think of the effect that it's had on the whole world that particular teaching it is destructive false teachers are popular they've got this widespread impact Um, what do they do they bring the way of truth into disrepute many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. I don't think we need to say any more on this. What about greedy exploiters? In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories that they have made up. Folks, false teachers are not motivated by greed. They are motivated by a love or a desire. To please, uh, sorry they, they are motivated by greed not by a desire to please God and you know there's so many different ways that we as teachers can come up here with the wrong motivation and you need to pray for us because it's very easy for us to be hypocritical to stand up here to and make art as though we are preaching God's gospel but secretly we're doing it for a wrong motivation and this must not happen We mustn't be greedy exploiters. So the third thing, I think we're beginning to get the picture. False teachers are motivated by greed. Um, It's just not a pretty picture. The third thing is that God will deal with them. Just have a look at verses 1 and 3 there. He says that he will bring, Peter says that God will bring swift destruction on them. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. These folks are destined for judgment. And so Peter goes on to give three historical examples of God's judgment. And I think it's important for us today to remember that God does bring justice. So we're going to see this in these examples. And actually, we want a God who brings justice. We want a God who's loving, but we also want justice. We we actually have justice hardwired into us as human beings. Most of our stories, most of our narratives, most of our miniseries and films are about justice being established. Isn't that right? It's because we want justice to be done. And the only way that God can bring justice is by punishing Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice, in our place. And so God is a God. Of justice, And he does bring judgment. First of all, the judgment of the angels. If God did not spare angels when they sinned, what's the idea here? Is even angels didn't escape God's judgment. What about the judgment of the ancient world? If he did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others. We find the reason for the flood in Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Folks, this is an example again. These are examples from history that God is a God of justice and these are a foretaste of the judgment that God is going to bring when Christ returns and none of us want to be in a place where we receive God's judgment we want to be in Christ so that we are declared righteous when God returns we need to submit ourselves to God's way of salvation what was God's way of salvation in the flood? Got to get onto the ark. That was God's way of salvation. If, if you weren't on the ark, you didn't receive salvation. That is a type of Jesus. What we're saying going forward is if we are not in Christ, if we haven't submitted ourselves to God's way of salvation, then when judgment comes, we will receive it. What about the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah? If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly this is peter's understanding inspired by the holy spirit of what that incident was all about it was god's punishment and it was a picture of the punishment that will come at the end time when jesus returned so these false teachers are destined for destruction and we just need to remember as as christians that thank god because of what christ has done for us on the cross We're not going to be the recipients of his judgment. And if we haven't come to that point of putting our faith and our trust in Jesus, this is one of the things that we need to take into consideration. Keep seeking, keep searching, finding out whether you think this is true or not. Maybe it's a myth, but maybe it's the truth. And if anyone stands up and starts preaching that it is a myth and saying that God is not going to judge all people, then we know that they're a false teacher. And some of those people in those books are universalists. They preach that every single human being is going to be saved. That is a denial of what God says and how he reveals himself in the Bible. So the last thing that we learn today is that God will deliver us. Do you see there in verse 9? It says, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials, and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. So, God knows how to make sure that we will cross the finish line. Folks, just to tie this all up, if we want to know God, there are two things that we must do. First of all, we need to pay attention to the Bible, just as Kathy was sharing today, as a lamp shining. In a dark place. If you're a believer today, pay attention to the Bible because it is God's inspired word to us. This is what's going to reveal what God is like to us. And we need to do it not only personally, but corporately as well. Isn't it significant that in Acts chapter 2, when we get a snapshot of what the early church was like, what they did in their meetings, it starts off by saying that they gathered in one another's homes and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching that means devoting them themselves for us it means devoting ourselves to the bible and then they had other things of course fellowship prayer They broke bread with one another so we need to do it personally and we need to do it corporately but folks how often do we actually get into the bible and read it you know it's so sad and I know that it's, it's challenging for some people because some people maybe have um, reading issues. Maybe some people just love reading they're bibliophiles so you just always find them with a nose and a book. But then there's other people who just don't really like reading. They battle to read. Folks, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Holy Spirit can help you to read God's word. And let's make sure that we study it together as well. And then the second thing, So the first thing is just to pay attention to the Bible. The second thing is just to be aware of false teachers and just spend more time studying your Bible than paying attention to Bible teachers. I think I would just say that. Just be careful who you listen to. Be careful what podcasts you listen to. It's okay to listen to podcasts, okay to listen to sermons. It's great, obviously, to listen to us preaching on a Sunday morning. I couldn't think of a better thing to do. No, I'm just joking. But but on top of it, make sure that the balance is right. You know, make sure that the foundation is there, that every day you're just getting into God's word, finding out what he says on different things, and being obedient to it. And, you know, in the process of that happening, God will deliver us from trials. You know, I believe that many of these men here who wrote these books and made these different DVDs, I believe that many of them started to stray into error because of the cultural and social pressure that was on them. Having, as they did, thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of followers. And culture puts such pressure on us to compromise the Word of God, especially at the moment in in, in the area of our sexuality. Um, And so I think a lot of these people just slowly started to make compromises and I can't judge them because I don't, I don't know what it was like. I do, I do judge them in the sense that I discern that what they did was wrong, but I, I don't know what it's like to know that every word of my, that I'm saying is going to be under the microscope. But we've just got to be so courageous, every one of us, depending where we are, and not compromise on what the Bible says. And when we do, it will attract pressure. It will attract some form of per- persecution. What what does um, Paul say to Timothy? He says, everyone who seeks to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not necessarily being tortured, but in some way we will be looked down upon. Um, It'll be uncomfortable for us. However, God, he says here, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Your trial might be a, a, a trial with cancer at the moment. It might be a legal trial. Or it could be that because you are just being a faithful Christian in your workplace, you're going to experience some sort of persecution. God knows how to deliver us out of these things to make sure that we cross the finish line. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for these warnings. Um, and Father, also just i am so relieved that um, you put your Holy Spirit inside of us so that we can know you thank you that we can have an informed relationship of with you because of what we read in the bible and and i also thank you that you just give us the strength that we need to live in a way that is godly to you to hold to the truth in a way that is godly to you as well and father i just want to pray for those who are still exploring um who who are hearing these probably frightening things about judgment father i just trust that they would fix their eyes upon you um, that you would stir up faith in them to believe that through jesus christ we can become sons and daughters of god not under his condemnation um, but dearly loved and not under his judgment we pray all of these things in jesus name Amen.